Welcome to Ah oh, Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. We're still in the quarantine! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, even though things are easing up, I have no desire to rush out immediately. No, yeah. My mom is insane. She asked me, she was like, did you go to any protests? And I was like, fuck no, I didn't go to, I don't want to go outside. Yeah, what, which, which protest did your mother think? That's what I said, I was like, I was like, well, there's a protest outside Garcetti's house to suspend the rent, but I'm sure that's not the one you're talking about. Like, I think she was, uh, she was like a hundred percent talking about the, like people going to like Hermosa beach and rich people being like, I need a haircut and all that shit. Yeah. Come on. I was like, no, fuck no. I think she was half joking, Okay, but I That's good. <laughs> put the kibosh on it. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to my dad and I think for a while he was a little like almost not, you know, very conservative about it and like sort of in somewhat yeah. denial or not caring. The last conversation I had with yeah. him, he was pretty, uh, he was pretty like straight about it in the sense of like, he's just like, well, I'm not going to be rushing to go to a restaurant. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you understand. <laughs> like, yeah. Like it's nothing that like, we don't have a vaccine. So even if you start really like easing up, it's like, we still need to be precautious, highly precautious. Yeah, totally. Totally. So. But, you know, it's weird times and weird times calls for weird things. (laughs) (laughs) I always find a way to get it in there. Yeah. (laughs) It's Uh, good. It is. Well, great. (laughs) Uh, So we're still recording remotely for us, our listeners, which is I'm happy we were able to do that. Um, The first segment we got to get to before we get to our weird tale stories today is a segment that's all about calling myself out or <laughs> us out. It's hell if I know. Um, wah, 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 wah. The thing I'm calling us out for is our last episode. We were um, in the storyline uh, party pooper. We There's a, a an image of a man or a demon in a Hellboy's cake, and we kept talking about who we thought it was. Yeah. We went through a lot of names. I actually, little behind the scenes for our listeners, at one point, I, we did say it was Ulock. We were both completely wrong. And oh. I did edit that out so we wouldn't have to get emails <laughs> completely. Uh, we were both like, got it. If that's who it is. Yeah. You can edit like, this out, too. I was like, oh, no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but who it is. And, they, and, I, and this also is as I I'm gonna get, I'm gonna say this if I ever get anything wrong from here forward like a character or something uh-huh. I think I'm I'm required to give like a short short report on that per- thing I got wrong <laughs> <laughs> some extra credit yeah yeah uh, th- the character that was in the cake who was holding this uh, the snake I don't know if he was necessarily holding it and we first saw him but he does is associated with a snake around him is Astaroth, A-S-T-A-R-O-T-H, okay. Astaroth, which was a demon and a grand duke of hell. And he's also Hellboy's parental uncle, and he is one, He was also one of his oldest antagonists. So that's a little history. So he's the brother to Azel, which is Hellboy's father, which we in our reading have not really gotten to his, his father's full name yet. So that's okay. okay. We don't need to get full into that. But the first time we have seen this character was in 
box full of evil. Okay, so it was, you were right uh, as far as the story that yes. the character was from. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. Ulak, Ulak was a character, uh, uh, the demon that was um, controlled um, by that little bald man uh, who actually yeah. I can't think of his name, Igor, Igor uh, Broom, Bromhead. That is, Ulak was the, the demon he was controlling, but it was Astaroth who came in like, you know, at the end of that story. Cool. And so forth. We're not going to rehash Box Full of Evil. If you want to hear us talk about that, you can go back to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I was I found disappointing, though, and I wish they would update this and give a new one, um, is I, I returned to the Hellboy Companion Yeah. that I ha- we have. Um, of course, it is, it's older. This is a definitely an outdated uh, version of the Companion, of course. Right. Or at least the last version of it is not fully updated to the this is this is the first edition may 2008 i believe i'd have to double check on that but in regards to that they don't have like a full thing on uh this demon or his uncle astaroth i was very surprised Do they have anything they have a lot of cool stuff of course but it's a mostly about some major characters but i was still surprised they even had benjamin damio in here they had Igor Bromhead. They didn't really have a biography for Astaroth or any major demons, but they did have him like the storyline of like in their timeline. That's the storyline oh, okay. of, of Box Full of Evils in there. But cool. that's just that's just me pleading in the in the universe that Mignola and Scott Alley should do another a like full an updated a full grand updating Hellboy Companion in a, for the entire. Uh, Mignolaverse. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would buy it. I would love to have it. <laughs> and like, I just thought- um, I have all these ones for The Simpsons that they like would give out. Like, they would like continue to publish them. Obviously, as the show came out. So I have like a bunch of like. I love that. Little, yeah, they're very fun. That's great. See, that's what we need. We love going back to that stuff. It's easily, especially when you forget a certain character or don't remember, yeah. you want to just have a quick update of them. A companion like that is perfect. Totally. Even though I just used the Hellboy uh, wiki, which is great as well. Oh, yeah. I love that thing. Um, the other um, hell if I know, I'm just when last week in the same storyline, uh, Party Pooper, I just didn't really give uh, Andy Watson any of his credits. Uh, we sort of skipped over his credits. I just wanted to give him a, some quick call outs. Um, some of the stuff because what was interesting is that Kate you immediately said with Andy Watson's uh, style is you're like this looks like a children's book and of course that's what he got into he's currently yeah he literally is the last update on Wikipedia for Andy Watson is he's currently writing and drawing a children's book he's writing children's books notably one called gum girl which is a series so people can check that out if they're interested And he's also best known for his graphic novels, Breakfast at Afternoon, Breakfast Afternoon, Slow News Day, and his series Skeleton Key and Love Fights, which were published by Oni Press and Slave Labor Graphics. Cool. So just wanted to give his stuff a shout out. Hell yeah. That's really all. <laughs> That's all for uh, Hell If I Know, but I bet there will be plenty more in the future. <laughs> <laughs> for this edition of Hell of I Know. <laughs> uh, but our next segment is, you know, we love it. 
and this is a, a, a fully free edition of Hell to Pay. Cha-ching! Uh, which is really cool, I guess. This is... <laughs> <laughs> Cha-ching, I love that. Nice, thanks. Uh, this time you don't have to spend money, Let's you'll stay. make money. <laughs> Cha-ching. Uh, I love it. I loved it. Try to keep I'm going to make money? What kind of Hellboy pyramid scheme are we getting into now? It just means you're not going to spend money. So I assume oh, if you're good, not spending good, money, good. you're making money. Sure. Um, I think this all comes off the fact that during this quarantine, Mignola has been doing all these wonderful sketches that he continually puts on his Instagram, and then they go onto eBay. They're so and they cool. Auction them off, and it's all towards charity, which is great. Um, so I think this is like a cool thing that they, in addition to that, a lot of press has been on Mike Mignola and the Mignola verse. So there's three comic books that have that are been co-created or created solely by Mike Mignola, which you can read for free online. So the first one is you can read the first issue of Witchfinder in the Service of Angels. You can go to horrornewsnetwork.net and they have an exclusive free issue of the Mignolia Verse comic book Witchfinder in the Service of Angels issue yeah. one. So that's really cool. So you should go, everybody should Google that and check it out and read it for free. Maybe that will kickstart your um, full reading of Witchfinder and all of that. There you go. Sweet. Then the second one, which is very apropos for what I just, I got in the mail and I posted last Friday from when we're recording right now. I got, I just to support my local comic book shop, Secret Headquarters, um, which is um, down. This is me getting off on a tangent, but um diamond distribution has been down for i don't know how many weeks now yeah. that we're talking they're coming back apparently on may 20th that's the date that um, marvel has said that they're returning and diamond distribution is supposed to be getting back into the kick into more comic books back into our comic book shops on may 20th so but in order to support my comic book shop i decided to order some pins as well as i've ordered both baltimore by Mike Manola and Christopher Golden, I ordered the Omnibuses, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Those Sweet. finally arrived. I'm going to read the novel, and then I'm going to get right into those. Uh, but if you haven't read them out there and you're curious about it, on www.comicbooksbeat, or excuse me, www.comicsbeat.com, you can go onto their website, and you can read the full first issue of Baltimore, The Plague of Ships. Frick yeah. So that's a great way to kickstart and see if you want to continue on reading Mike Mignola's Baltimore. And you could go from there and find the issues or buy the omnibuses. So I think that's pretty cool. Did you start yet? I have not. The only reason I haven't started right away is that I'm currently reading uh, a novel on my Kindle by Elmore Leonard. I'm currently reading a play called Bernhardt slash Hamlet by Teresa Rayback or Ryback, however you pronounce her name. And I need to do finish Mike Mignola's uh, Alien Salvation comic book that I also bought. So I'm a little slammed right now. I think as soon as I get some yeah. things off my plate, I'll jump, I'll start jumping into the Balt the Baltimore novel. Cool. Cause, cause one of our listeners, I can't remember who or followers said that you should start. It was like, uh, they, they noted, noted on Instagram as a comment that you should probably start with the Baltimore novel. Okay. So, so yeah. Good to so know. I'm, I'm going to start there and then get into the, the novel, the comic books. Sweet. Uh, and the final and last free thing you can read in the 
the all of the Mignola verse is this is funny because this was released released by Entertainment Weekly on their website ew.com. You can read the first chapter of Hellboy in Hell. Oh, so nice. that's pretty cool. So I mean, it's a it's a weird place to start. <laughs> yeah, for Hellboy, uh, but why the hell not? Yeah, you know, it's cool that they're offering that. That might spark somebody out there. If you have a friend, you could probably send that to them. Check this out. If you like it or you're intrigued by it, start all the way back in Seed of Destruction. But you can for free at ew.com. Ew.com. You can read that first chapter of Hellboy in Hell. So I don't. I I have the links. I'll probably post those all on our link tree. Once this episode goes up, we're on Monday, the week of this episode. Um, and people can follow those if they wish to, or just Google it, and I bet that will come up right away. Yeah. So, so that's it for hell to pay. You don't have to spend anything. <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that first sound effect just sounded like a crash sound. Yeah. Like a, it sounded like the cash register slammed on the ground and then, <laughs> and then all the money came flying. All out. the money came out and everyone got to get some. A handful. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, and then our last segment before we do get into the weird tale stories this week, uh, I'm calling this segment a dumb little name called Never too young to go to hell. <laughs> um, I sent Kate a picture. I'm going to post this on our uh, Instagram feed because it's so cute and adorable. This comes from dailymail.com. Um, it's Jessica Simpson, 32, a business manager from India, Queens, Cornwall. I believe that's in the UK. I could be stand corrected. Uh, she started taking her young son, who's like a toddler, and dressing him up as iconic uh, characters throughout pop culture, and that included Hellboy. So we're looking at a really cute picture of Hellboy, of a young little baby Hellboy. Even though this is a young child, he's not dressed up as a, a baby Hellboy. He's dressed up as full-blown, grown-up Hellboy. Yeah, he's an adult Hellboy. It's cute as shit. <laughs> He's got like his little, like she taped like a cardboard tube spray painted black to a toy gun. So it's enormous. He's got goggles and that are like paper mache and painted red as his horns. I, like it's a really creative cosplay. I really love it. I love the goggles because it's such a smart choice to keep the, being able to keep them on your head. I yeah. bet cosplayers have done this, but it's so funny too that, the thing that many beginning readers of Hellboy, when I originally started releasing, always thought that Hellboy's horns were goggles. And then, right. of course, you're going to use goggles to cosplay as him. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. I love his little coat. Got him a He's little adorable. duster. Yeah, where do you get a little duster for a little kid? I don't know. It's, it's very super- cute. I wonder if she made it herself. Very cute. <laughs> I agree. Super cute. But yeah, I'll post this picture so everybody else can get a, a gander at it for his big right hand of doom. And oh, I well. love I love the feet, too, because she's like painted on hair or given a little bit of like shading to make it almost appear to be hooves, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Very adorable. So that's the segment I will deem now never too young to go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it for our opening segments of this episode. Yeah. Um, so 
Go for it, Kate. I'll yeah, it speaking of going to hell, uh, <laughs> our first weird tale that we're covering is My Vacation in Hell, which was written and illustrated by Craig Thompson, uh, edited by Scott Alley, and that was published in Hellboy Weird Tales number six, uh, December 10th, 2003. And I love the plot synopsis on the Hellboy wiki for this one. It's just Hellboy's activities while vacationing in hell are enumerated. That's it. I, I I like this artist and I was like, I recognize this this guy from so like Nickelodeon used to put out a magazine, Nickelodeon magazine. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is definitely that guy. And as soon as I Googled him with like Nickelodeon magazine, I found all his like cartoons that he did for them. He drew like he looked like similarly like kind of demented looking little cartoon characters. And they're de- they're really cool looking and definitely worth like a Google image search if you have the time. Um, I love, but that. yeah, his like style is really uh, fun. Obviously, in like in this comic, he gets to draw some pretty gruesome, fucked up shit. He's like, <laughs> it's just like Hellboy went on a vacation in hell, and what would that be? And that's exactly what this comic is. So it's like he fishes and catches this like disgusting angler fish and like cleans it and stuff and eats it consumption of abominable meat and he starts puking out snakes and tentacles and stuff and like it's like it's like gross but silly at the same time eternal custodian of purgatory is some guy who's like damned to be the janitor in hell (laughs) yeah he's just like (sighs) and like has to mop it up (laughs) uh respite on the island of sexy angels escape from the island of sexy angels like it seems like everything he does he's like going on a vacation and kind of everything falls apart obviously because it's in hell evening with the lake of fire symphony and you have like demons playing sort of like upright bass on the guts of dead guys and <laughs> like these very like like these very like uh renaissance looking demons you know like uh sort of like classic demon looking guys uh but trumpet induced headache it has a bunch of demons bent over with trumpets up their butt and I, uh for the record when so i was re- when i was reading this i went out of my way to walk over to my my girlfriend beth and show her the trumpet the butt trumpet and what did she say she just laughed at it and was just like you're dumb (laughs) yeah it's very silly he gets uh randomly devoured at nap time doubly devoured the like creature that ate hellboy is being eaten and then it shows you a fun gastrointestinal water park hellboy is like splashing around through the guts of this demon and you see like other little demons in there uh, surgically removed by what we don't know and then he's in a hellish sauna with like demons torturing humans and like ripping their skin off and shit petting like a petting zoo petting corral with the army of goats legion of swine doggies he's like petting cerberus here <laughs> uh concessions also a bunch of gross shit where it's like a little demon taking a dump into an ice cream cone and like Hellboy's eating the rare bit. It's like a bird with a stick up its ass that he's yeah. like enjoying. Yikes. The bad dream. So he dreams about Anung and Rama. And it's like a cool, um, again, sort of like uh like when you look at like an old map or something and the yeah. like way that the serpents are depicted in the water of an old map, that's like kind of what this reminds me of. 
sort of like a Hieronymus Bosch, like crazy looking serpentine dragon here. And Hellboy's just, leave me alone. I'm on vacation. Pushing the face <laughs> of Anungan Rama. Resume fishing. And he uh, just like, you see his little like, his bait down deep under this hellish water on the river Styx. And you see the Leviathan with all these other demons in his mouth. And one of the guys within the mouth of the Leviathan, he's like skewered by a giant fang. And he's just like, wish you were here. And that's it. <laughs> so it's just like really um, fun visual story for sure. Like very minimal on the dialogue and, and everything. But just like fun stuff to look at. Yeah, I think it's a very fun, simple read. It's um, it, it, feel, it feels perfect for this kind of like collection of weird tales. Totally. Um, where it has, again, no consequences to the major storyline, doesn't really attempt to, like, add or take away. It just has fun with this. Well, like, it feels very in the spirit of what you would think the author would probably create for his own self, minus yeah. it being Hellboy. That's what I, at least I pick up, not knowing all of this guy's work. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I re- and, and I also get two, I, I feel like in the style as well, I get like a, like, and this is mainly going off all of the style and particularly the, the Ung Un Rama uh, panel. I get like a sort of a Dr. Seuss meets uh, Gory. What's the guy that did? Uh, oh, Edward Gory. Edward Gory. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't think of his first name. Yeah. It feels like almost like uh, those two coming together. If they were to work on it, something together, this is what you would come up with. They definitely have that, that same like touch with the ink, like. The way that it's inked, the whole thing kind of, I, I can totally see where you're uh, picking up on that. And like the 666 almost is like fuzzy. Yeah. That feels very Seuss. That feels very Dr. Seussy. Yeah. <laughs> and then have you ever, I I have a, a Edward Gorey book somewhere in my bedroom. I don't know. I love Edward Gorey, dude. I loved him as a kid. Um, I'm going to walk away. You... This will be a, a, a we can, I can edit this or fill up time, but I'm gonna see if I can quickly find. Yeah, I'll just sing a song while you're walking around. <laughs> oh, is it the ABC one where it's like, yeah, yeah. For the sake of continuing the podcast and not delaying, uh, I have that. Yeah, that ABC with the little kids and various deaths. Yeah, the Gashley so Crumb, the Gashley Crumb Tinies, with like, if you like Google image searches, it's like. It has some of them like A is for Amy who fell down the stairs. And then it's like a just a rhyming alphabetical list of children dying. It's so funny. Gruesome so shit. Gruesome and and very funny. So funny. And I, what's funny is I didn't really know about Edward Gorey, like his name, but I recognized him from like, it was either Masterpiece or Mystery Theater on like PBS. Yeah, Masterpiece Theater. Yeah. Had that mm-hmm. animated opening with his. Uh, like with his art style. Oh, it's was, so cool. Yeah, I love that. I was that. like, I wish the whole show was this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As a kid, you'd turn it off. I'd be like, oh, I don't want to watch this boring, this b- boring British stuff. <laughs> so boring. So boring. I wanted it just to be the animated opening. Yeah, it's so delightful. Any favorite panels or anything on this story? I, I don't know. I do like the gastrointestinal water park. Because you get to see these other silly little, like, 
imps that are falling around. Um, and I think I like that last panel too of like the big Leviathan underneath the water. I just like the fun of showing the surface of the water and then like going like the, the panel kind of being cut by, by that, like at the top third. And then you just see like the depths of the water with the Leviathan underneath. I think that just like looks really cool. Yeah. And I think that's a cool way to like, to end the stories, to start where we began. Very yeah. fun. And then, but reveal more information to that. It's very Resume cool. fishing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. I think my faves are already the Ungnoon Rama as well as the, the the water park. But I absolutely love after the sauna, the towel off. Uh, yeah, towel off. I love all the negative space in that. Yeah, and I just it's just funny to be like the only thing really being covered is Hellboy's butt. <laughs> yeah. It's just a funny. It's too. It's too like uh, in juxtaposition with the pre, like with the sauna. The sauna has is such a busy panel, like so much is happening and there's so many like demons ripping flesh and stuff like that. And then to just be like towel off afterwards, like is very funny. So it's a great. Yeah, it's a great like visual joke panel. Yeah. And I like I like in his style in general, his hooves, how elongated they are. Totally. Yeah, I think they're cool. Yeah, his his Pellboy is a very a different Hellboy than we've yet to see. And I, I actually really enjoy his, his take on that. I agree. Cool. Um, if you're interested in anything else from Craig Thompson, quick shout outs for him is like, he's best known for his books. Goodbye. Chunky rice blankets, carte voyage, Habibi. I H A B I B I. I don't know if I'm how to pronounce that properly. Habibi. I God damn it. Uh, email me <laughs> and then space dumplings dumplings and then he's also this is pretty cool he's received four harvey awards three eisner awards and two ignatz awards i definitely know i've read blankets it's oh, been a while right. like i read it in high school i remember it being very sad very oh, depressing boy. from what i remember but i i think that's one of the ones that he might have won an eisner for i don't don't quote me all but good i can't i, I know that one's like a very it's like a very highly regarded comic i feel like i've seen the cover of it and just never yeah it it's up. like a blue and white cover yes yeah definitely know what you're talking about yeah yeah it's and cool the, and this is a from what cool, i recall yeah <laughs> and here's another cool fact is that he he received a grammy nomination for best recording package for his cover design for Menomina's album Friend and Foe. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know they gave Grammys for the for the cover art. Neither did I. That's awesome. I've never paid attention to the Grammys. Not yeah, never. Not even like the big ones, not really. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> uh but cool. Let's move on to the next story, Kate. Yeah. So the next one we're looking at is a love story. And uh, that one's written by Tommy Lee Edwards, illustrated by Tommy Lee Edwards with Don Cameron, lettered by John Workman, edited by Scott Alley, and originally published Hellboy Weird Tales number seven, February 11th, 2004. And this one is, it's interesting. It's like a set where it's, it's 1964. The new BPRD headquarters is how it opens. So you see this like, 
you know, brand new 1960s sort of like version of the BPRD headquarters. Although you don't see like a ton inside. There's not like a ton of like yeah anything going on. But um, uh, so Broom is like sending Hellboy to investigate this haunted airplane that was used to, to like bomb like it was like used in world war two yeah i think you're right that's it yeah that was like used to bomb in a sense uh i mean i'm assuming part of hiroshima possibly all of that it was just part of the war yeah he's like returning it from india to china following its restoration after being shot down in world war ii yeah so like as hellboy's flying it you see these like green spectral like it's just like these ghosts flying all around it and you kind of get these flashbacks to events in world war ii that i guess are like the energy or the spirit of these events is is haunting this airplane um you see like a man and a woman in love and then you see like little panels of like firing on ships and uh the planes flying over and like bo- like dropping bombs on on us like a city and super big explosions and somebody presumably like the pilot getting caught in an explosion and then the like ghosts really start like writhing and going crazy and hellboy's like come on we're almost there um and as he's continuing to fly we see more panels of like dog fighting and like crazy airborne action and stuff and hellboy it seems is having trouble flying the plane he says i could use some help here and is sort of like either either like possessed for a second by this pilot or the pilot just like kind of takes control over the the plane and like guides the plane safely to land uh and like kind of shoots down these like demons or ghosts or whatever that are like in uh attached to this airplane Mm -hmm. and yeah so like you kind of see this like blue outline of the presumably the the pilot who like flew this plane for in World War II. More like kind of flashbacks. It's like a very dreamy issue for sure, where there's not a lot of, there's not a ton of dialogue or anything. You kind of just see these like flashes of different time periods um, going back between 1964 and 1941, I think it said. And Hellboy finally, um, I guess like crash lands the plane. And... (laughs) This ghost, this pilot ghost, sort of floats away from the plane and goes past these kind of green demonic evil spirits and embraces another ghost, like a woman. And they, when they hug, they vanish. And then the green, like, evil ghosts vanish too. And then Hellboy just goes, ah, love. And that's the end. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Uh, so it's yeah definitely wrong on where this place takes place so i i misspoke because i immediately thought it was japanese so that's my bad you, oh no he's flying it back to china it's burma i was looking up like where uh rangoon is and it's in it's also known as yangon and uh in the largest city of Myanmar, also known as burma so i don't know ex- let's see 
it's a metropolitan. I don't know where. I don't understand all the regions that they are in because they probably changed over time. So, woo. it's but it's eth- it's yeah, it's in that um, eastern area of the of the world. Of it's course. like right above Thailand, right? He's. Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, I guess he's like traveling over that to return it to China. Yeah. But that being said, out of the three of that we read for this week, this is my least favorite. And it's mainly yeah. because I felt I looked up this guy's art, our, our artist that, or that contributed to this, like Tommy Lee. He has a website. And I, I was like, oh, I, I think this guy's a good artist. It's not really that I completely could say this is bad. He, he's one of his most notable things that um, Tommy Lee Edwards is known for is. Marvel's 1985, which was writer by Mark Miller, which is kind yeah. of like a meta kind of a book. And he's done some other stuff and he provided some styling stuff for Batman Begins, Superman Returns, Men in Black 2. I don't know why. I just, this comic, it, it felt hard to follow. My eye felt either overwhelmed. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of like, panels overlapping panels and then different shaped panels to indicate the present and the past and it's all kind of like it's it's kind of bombarding you which i think is the intention of the artist to make it like these quick flashes of these events and explosions and like they want it to feel wild which is effective like it definitely does do that but it's not one that I necessarily am like, oh, okay, I want to revisit this all the time or like, yeah, that's how I was, you know? Yeah. Like at the core of it, it's a interesting ghost story. I'll give it that. I think it's like, you know, like at the very core and the essence of the simple plot. of I it. I think, I think that's it too. It's like, it's that more than it is a Hellboy story, yeah. which like these are non canonical. So it's like the artist is kind of getting to do whatever they want with it. And that it feels like that. It feels like it could be, almost you know it could be a different character flying this plane and it wouldn't you like it could be a pilot like it could be you know this doesn't necessarily have to be hellboy i don't think yeah you know that's kind of i agree that's it Uh, yeah and it just i I think i agree with you it's like it's it's okay it's like it's not it's not bad at all but it's not necessarily like my cup of tea aesthetically or story-wise a hundred percent. I think the artist, I would, I mean, looking into them, like for just other work, there's nothing that really stands out as like iconic that I'm super aware of. I do like this I've... ghost, like the drawing the ghost's outline in a different color over the like black outline, I think is like an interesting way to depict a ghost for sure. taking over. Like, like I haven't really seen that a lot. I think that's neat. But yeah, it's like, there's, it's one thing to like appreciate it. And another thing to be like, I want to visit, I want to, look more into this guy's art and appreciate it more, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like, it's more so like to, to continue on learning more about Don Cameron, who's like a writer of like known for like a lot of his detective novels and detective comic books. He's done some Batman stuff as well as aside from just looking at the website or the other, the other artist, Tommy Lee Edwards, who I thought his stuff looked good on this website, it's going to take probably a suggestion from somebody else that's a fan of theirs to tell me, like, you should check this book out or you should check this out. Yeah. It's not It's not really going to be me going out of my way just based on this. You know yeah, what I mean? totally. The letterist, which I think is 
I'm I'm gonna say is a little underutilized. The letterist um, who, uh, by the name of excuse me, John Workman, yeah. this guy's been around forever, and one of his most well-known ones was, aside from frequently being partnered with Walter Simonson, who's known for his Thor run as well, he's did the entire run as lettering um, for Grant Morrison and Rachel Pollock's Doom Patrol. So that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so something to check out. But on that aside, I don't really have any like favorite panels or anything other than I do like, I will say I like Hellboy saying, ah, love. That seems yeah, very that's Hellboy. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, probably my favorite thing is just the like how I described the blue outline of the pilot appearing and guiding Hellboy's hand as he's flying. I think it's like pretty cool and a pretty unique take on how to depict that. I liked it. And then the last one that we looked at today or, you know, this week was Shattered. Shattered was written by Ron Mars. And illustrated by Jim Starlin, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Michelle Madsen, edited by Scott Alley, and originally published in Hellboy Weird Tales number five. That was in October, uh, October 15th, 2003. This one is just sort of depicting Hellboy. He's in Guatemala and he's on like a mission you know, just investigating something down in Guatemala. I really like this opening, the second panel here. Where he, you see Hellboy kind of in the midst of the fight. He's got his sort of like classic Hellboy dialogue where it's like, all right, now you piss me off. And he already, you can see like holes in his jacket. Like he's clearly <laughs> been like roughed up a little bit already. And then I like this cool panel of like, you don't quite know what it is. It turns out to be like a long lizard tongue, but it could be like a tentacle or something. Just like whipping towards him and wrapping around him like whoop, yeah. like grabbing him around the middle and then the next panel shows this like crazy reptilian amphibian kind of creature kind of wrapping hellboy up in its tongue we got an awesome classic madman who's like gonna control the power of time and the universe with this like artifact that he has this bowl and Hellboy kind of gives him the rundown where it's like, you know, you know what my job is? Yeah. The Bureau pays me to go investigate stuff, but what it always comes down to is slugging things like this and keeping things like that out of the hands of guys like you. So hand it over. He's like, you know, just like, <laughs> this is, I do this all the time. This is my typical day. And the madman gets like cool, like, you know, very like, elaborate dialogue of like you have no concept of what i hold like all that cool shit and he has like this big like long kind of speech about how it's like controlling time and you would go crazy if you held this amazing bowl and <laughs> of course it gets knocked out of his hands hellboy grabs it and then we have this cool panel that sort of depicts presumably like everything up to this not like everything obviously but like just like a big splash page of like a bunch of different antagonists from all of these hellboy stories up to this point like we see yeah we just see a ton of we see like hecate in there we see rasputin we see like the fucking worm from conqueror worm yeah we see the conqueror worm conqueror worm yeah we see uh the stones that anang uh, anang and rama is imprisoned in we see like the fucking gorilla the nazi gorilla fighter and like you know a headless like the headless body from heads yeah and right next to them they have like that 
that woman that's in the Christmas story in the underground yes. bunker. Yeah, with the candelabra like uh, floating. Uh, yeah, we see all the like classic Nazis, you know. We have Ulak, that demon. Yeah, yeah, just a bunch of cool shit. And he gets this like crazy flash all in one shot. And he's like screaming, holding it up with this cool like Kirby-esque kind of like dark energy around him, which is pretty neat. And then, you know, that like messes with his mind. It's like that mental energy, like that kind of like Kirby energy that you see either in his like galaxies or like a lot in Doctor Strange's powers, like the mm-hmm. cloud of his powers that surround his hands and stuff, like kind of like envelops Hellboy and then gets sucked back into the bowl. Hellboy is just like, what the hell was all that? And he like kind of drops the bowl. And his eyes narrow, and then it cuts out back to the BPRD headquarters. Abe's like, how you do? And he's like, don't ask me. Don't ask me. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it, you know? And he has to go report. He goes and talks to Trevor. And it's very formal. Like, he goes in and talks to Trevor. He's like, sir. And Broom's like, I'm glad you're back in one piece. Uh, yeah, me too. Did you get the bowl? Like, Tre- it seems like Broom is, like, very focused on getting this artifact so they can learn from it. And Hellboy returns it to him smashed into pieces, saying that, like, oh, I guess it broke in the struggle. Although, obviously, we saw that it was intact yeah. after the, the his, like, enemy was defeated and all that. So you assume that Hellboy, like, smashed it. Probably better off that way, sir. Some things just, uh, some things you just don't want to go messing with. Sorry. And that's the end. So, yeah, we just can assume that Hellboy, what he saw was so overwhelming and horrible that he was like, oh, oh, this thing's getting smashed. Yeah. And Uh. this was back in uh, this takes this all took place in 1979. So this is like before the events that he saw before most of them. Yeah, because it would be like 1992 that you'd go to the Cavendish Hall and everything. would Start going. All those events would come after. Yeah, he doesn't even want to like try to make sense of what's being depicted by this uh, vision that the bowl like gives him. This is fun. Yeah. This this one's interesting because I do like it. Yeah, it's cool. I like it, but I have so many thoughts about it. I have so many thoughts about. What this you one thinking thing. about it? <laughs> I might what even, you thinking, this Dave? One, I, this is one where it makes me overthink. Because like the yeah, first yeah. one, I find it delightful. It's just a fun little story that like has no consequence and it's just fun and. Sure. artistically intriguing. The second one is sort of like, yeah, you kind of wasted my time with this weird tale. This one has like stuff I love and then stuff that I don't. And I find it all over the place. I enjoy it overall, but I have so many thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll start with what I like about it. Sure. One, I like the look of it. It's very the early 2000s comic book, the style. Yeah, totally, yeah. I feel like Image almost created this style in a sense. The style that they're creating feels very much like once Image was made, comics sort of shifted over to this style. A lot of this this I could be wrong, you can people could but a lot of like on that second page how there is no panels, it's like all the right, where it's like flowing. him fighting this creature and it like, yeah, it all overlaps with itself. Like the creature's foot overlaps with the image of the creature larger below it. And yeah. Yeah. The, to me, that feels like very new era of image comic books when they were like, 
let's push this to the next level and not be confined so much by our block panels, which I don't think is a bad I don't thing. No, I don't know. If that's I think I mean you could be right. Like I truly don't know. I I need like a comic book scholar to tell me if I'm right or wrong <laughs> or just. But it just feels give you all very, the fifty examples of it appearing and like. I just feel yeah. like I associate it so much with that era of like moving into that modern era of comics. Yeah, like try just trying to break the like break the structure a little bit. Yes. So that and I like it. I think it's very it, it's very interesting. It it's it's cool. His design from Starlin is very comic book and traditional. Even totally. even his right hand of doom is so functional. Like it feels very much in that early 2000s era of like this hand, even though it's a right hand of doom, it doesn't look as cumbersome as what Mike. Yeah, it's very dexterous. Yeah. I mean, even look at the fingers. I think you called this out on another artist in Weird Tales, but I think this one's even more so. It looks like a hand that would belong to Colossus from the X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. I like it. It's just, it's very different than what we thought. Um, right, it it doesn't look it looks more organic than stone. Yes. Yeah. And again and again it doesn't it doesn't seem like a burden to him. It's just like, yeah, I happen to have a red uh kick-ass arm. Yeah. <laughs> but whereas like Mignola, I think in his and his design and his original take on it is it is sort of like a fucking I have this It's like a shackle almost. Yes. Like, yeah. It's a burden to him. Yeah. And then uh what I love too is like Starlin is the guy that's creating this. Ron Mars, who who is known for his Batman and Aliens, DC versus Marvel, Green Lantern, Silver Surfer, and Witchblade. Those are his big, big ones. And then Starlin, who is the guy that create is the right, is like the man behind the Infinity War, the Infinity Gauntlet. He oh, cool. re he revamped. Adam Warlock, he revamped a lot of these. Um, I'm sorry, I just lost my my page on him. It's very interesting, this guy that really played around with, he revamped Captain Marvel, excuse me, as well as he co-created Thanos, Thanos Drax the Destroyer, Gamora, Shang-Chi. And he played around with a lot of Jack Kirby's creations of the Fourth, fourth World and such like that, especially oh. Dark, Dark, uh, Dark Side or Dark Seed. Uh, I don't know which is correct. But it's very funny to see this guy who's played around with a lot of the Infinity Gems and things like that. This storyline to me feels like, what if Hellboy got hold of an Infinity Gem? <laughs> yeah. That's what I think visually and what it really is like to me is like he is in a storyline where he just happens to grasp one of the Infinity Gems on Earth. And he uh, gets this big vision of his history or his future. Yeah. So it almost is like, I don't remember the colors, but I wonder if this, uh, in the movie, the time one is green. I don't know what the comic book, if that's different or if they're coincide, but it is like, what if he held it in his hand, this cosmic power? So I find that very interesting and very cool. Totally. Um, and I do like, I liked how it ended. I think it's cool that he was like, I'm going to break this thing just to be sure it doesn't get in the wrong hands, uh, which is very funny to me. Yeah. Here's my big, here's my big, for the majority, I enjoyed it. Here's my big thing. And this is me, again, picky Dave, I guess, is what I'll call it. <laughs> I, I, I love this, 
this this page right here where it's like this big splash page of everything that's to come. Yeah. It's cool because I get to see a different artist do it. It's almost like a cool thing to have in the back, like a the back of a collection, you know, or a or like a a variant cover. Story wise, it makes me scared of like it. It, it feels very much like the prequels of Star Wars. It's like where they go back and they try to retell these stories of how Darth Vader became Darth Vader or how they got here. And they just tend to like really heavily handed, like push in reminders of like, Hey, you know, what's going to happen, right? You know, those things. That's what it reminds me of is sort of lazy storytelling where like, Hey, this character really doesn't have much to him until we get to that. And that's what I sort of reminds me of is like, cool that the artist got to do that. But why isn't this adventure sort of its own thing versus just like, hey, what's going to happen to Hellboy? And that makes me scared of like, and I haven't read a lot of the the flashbacks that Mignola touches on and other writers in the yeah. in the B, Hellboy and the BPRDs. And I'm always a little scared that they won't have much substance to them other than sort of hinting at what will come. Like, hold, these are just adventures, but there's something coming down the line. Right. If that makes sense. That's all. Yeah. I can totally see that. Hopefully that was articulate enough to make sense. (laughs) I think so. I think it's like, yeah, it's kind of using it. Yeah, I guess it's tough with these. Like, you feel like you don't want to add anything. So you're kind of using what you, what Mignola's already established. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, um, and that, I, I agree. It's it's a touchy because some of these. I just like story wise, it's not the most like inventive. It's sort of like. It's not really delving deep into the character. It's more like looking at the events of things that happen to him later. I, I don't know. Yeah, and I just don't see the creative side of just like, what if Hellboy saw that coming and just avoided it? And I'm like, oh, that's interesting, but like, that's sort of already taken. Mignola has just already done that in a better way mm-hmm. in the original storylines, storyline starting with Seed of Destruction and going forward, where you start to see him getting tempted by it. He does hint at the fact that maybe he's gotten flashes of it in the past, but avoided it. So it's right. just to see another writer sort of just do it out of like, I don't know, a lack of, I don't know, lack of a good story. I don't know. I don't know. I again, I say that with also loving this sort of Starlin's touch and and Mars's touch on like sort of making him. This is like a glimpse as if Hellboy was a bit of an Indiana Jones character too at the top. So I kind of like that because that's that's interesting to think of like of a Hellboy who just went on missions without complication and he just sort of was hunky dory like liking that fun dialogue that you read, Kate, of him sort of like. My job is to keep you guys from doing this. Right. <laughs> That's fun to see before. Yeah, it's very like pulpy in the beginning. Yeah. In a cool in a cool way. Yeah, and that's fun to just see him mindlessly going through that job and having fun with it before he's before seed of destruction and he's handed all this deep shit that he has to deal with. Yeah. And so to me it's like a balance of like I would rather watch a st- it's tell me a good story that doesn't involve any of that heavy shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. rather I don't need the hints at it. Just show me a fun story that involves him before he has to deal with that. That's all. And maybe we'll get that with the Hellboy and the BPR, 
these. I haven't read them all, and I don't know what's coming come down the road. Yeah. Those are my complicated thoughts about this one weird tales. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I, I guess just it being not canon, I just, I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And like, it, that's as, you sh- as I should be as well. <laughs> no, you're totally entitled to, to have a feeling about it, to have a reaction about it, which is like a good thing, if anything, you know? Yeah. And I'm very curious what broom... I guess I'm just, I mean, I, I know this is not canon, but I know these type of stories are going to come to us later on. And it's not going to be for quite a while for us on our, in the, in the order that we're deciding to read, especially when we get back to, when we get back to season four and go forward. I do think a lot of these sometimes flashback stories always have, they always give me the, the fear that they're going to diminish not fully diminished, but also just feels sort of arbitrary in regards to the grander story that I love that we're on with Hellboy. Sometimes these flashbacks sort of, they try to fill in stuff that I'm like, eh, do we really need to fill that in? Sometimes I right. wish, again, it's like, it's a cliche saying, but less is more, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I like where we started with Hellboy, how we were introduced to him, how the little we know about about professor broom we literally get we meet him on his the day he dies yeah what more do i need to know other than what hellboy informs us you know so again i could be wrong when we get to those stories but that's just how i feel about it and i'm always cautious of those stories and that's why i equate them to the prequels of star wars and how those sort of just their execution even though they had some cool story elements and mythos elements to them, their execution sort of will lack, lack luster. And I hope that yeah. we don't get that down the line. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> totally. That's totally fair. <laughs> but other than that, I think it's cool to see Jim Starlin draw, draw one of our favorite characters of all time. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, and have this other iconic writer that's done a lot of good work. Not I like icon- this, um, this like, this like lizard creature in the beginning reminds me a lot of like seventies D and D stuff. Like yeah. if you look at the monster manuals from like the early monster manuals, I definitely get that vibe from this creature in, in a way that I really love. Um, it's very overly specific. Reminds me of a creature that you fight uh, in Zelda: Link to the Past. There's a monster. Yeah. There's one where, if you remember this, because you beat it as well recently, and I'm playing yeah. it, and I'm about to beat it again. Nice. There's a creature where you have to use bombs to knock its mask off, yeah. and then it has a gem on its head. I feel like this this lizard looks very similar to that. Totally, totally. <laughs> very dumb reference. <laughs> no, oh my god, that's that game is so good, dude. It's, it's amazing. still so good, and it's hard as shit. Yeah, some of the bosses you have to Fucking give it a couple made of tries. Me mad. I mean, fighting Ganon, but it's like it's like uh, you know, it's hard in a way that's satisfying. It's not like so hard that you're like snapping your controller in half. Yeah, it's not like early NES games where you would just give up. <laughs> yeah. Like certain like some like Mega Man games, I'd be like, this is fucking like 
You're messing with me. Why were Mega Man games designed so hard? But they were like <laughs> functional, at least like some NES games and Super Nintendo games like barely worked as games like their programming was bad. And that's why they were hard to play because it was just like the platforming sucked. At least Mega Man had like good platforming. You just had to die a lot. Yes, you're and learn the patterns. Totally. Which as a little kid was like so frustrating. I never <laughs> wanted to die. Oh, uh, so many games I gave up on ever beating, which is Oh funny. my god, yeah. Yeah. That reminds me, I mean, hopefully one day we'll get to play some of those crappy Hellboy video games that we've always talked about. Well, I want to play that fighting game. I keep uh I've just been playing the shit out of Animal Crossing for the last fucking 3 weeks understandable so i've not done anything else even like i put down fallout even though they just put out this uh update they have npcs on on fallout 76 and i'm excited to play it but i still haven't what's an npc uh non-playable characters so like the thing about fallout 76 at first was it was all just um like player versus player like it was just like you and uh, like 15 other actual people playing in the same map. And uh, there were no other human characters that you could like interact with and talk to that were like part of the game and weren't being played by an actual human player. But they introduced that in the newest update. Uh, so there's like stories and shit that you can play. So it's more like a traditional Fallout game, or at least from the last few Fallout games. I've I'm only excited to play it. That's great. I've only watched people play Fallout. The play gameplay yeah. looks great. Here's my pitch. Super fun. Yeah. I wish, and I think they attempted this in a crappy way that people have told us about the previous PC, like the PlayStation Hellboy games and stuff like yeah. that. I would love it because we've got a great board game that's designed so well around the entire Hellboy universe, right? Yeah. I would love if someone pl- made a Hellboy game, put the time in, and did storylines like Seed of Destruction and Wake the Devil and Conquer Worm and so forth. And they designed it like Fallout. And you're going through those storylines as different characters like Hellboy or Abe and things like that. That sort I, of gameplay. I'm, I'm curious about those older, those old PlayStation Hellboy games. Like if they, if that's what they are, I, I'm, I am curious about them. Yeah, but I'm feel, a little scared of how bad they probably will be. That's why I'm saying I think they are attempting to be that. Maybe from the images, yeah. at least we've seen. And I wish that someone would do a great version, even like a Spider-Man. I would love to ver like the yeah, time yeah. and the detail put into a Hellboy video game that was like the Spider-Man that everybody loved. Never played it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody was saying how good it was. Still have not played a second of it. Yeah, no. but it looks really cool. So. But that's, I mean, Sp- that's the thing. Spider Man's like the biggest fucking thing in the world. Yeah, you have a built in audience. Of course, you're going to make that video game. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody wants to swing around, even if you're not a, even like me, who are like, Spider Man is not my favorite of all time, but God, swinging around is going to be fun. So cool. So fun. <laughs> uh, well, that's it. I want a Hellboy video game that with high detail. Uh, I want this quarantine to eventually end so we can be in the same room together to continue in season four. But you know what? Someday, you know, it'll be a while, I think. It will be, but we have weird tales to get through. But that's all we have for this week. Those were our stories. Um, Listeners, we want to hear from you during this quarantine. If anything, tell us you're doing okay. Uh, but we do want to hear your thoughts on these storylines from Weird Tales or any other Weird Tales or anything else we've covered in the entire podcast. You can reach out to us at Podcast at gmail.com. 
any email you send us, we'll read it right here and comment on it. Again, having a, a dialogue back and forth with you via our email. Again, that is at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. As well as you can follow us on Instagram at ahcrapahellboypodcast, as well as Twitter at ahcraphellboy. Um, you can communicate with us on there. We will respond to anything you comment on, and we love hearing from you. We have some stuff in store coming up. I, I don't have a lot to tell you. Uh, right now, there will be a giveaway coming up, as well as some other little, like, giveaways and things coming your way um, once the world gets to some sort of normalcy and I feel safe and you feel safe of me mailing you something. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to, like, Purell the shit out of our hands and then, like, put gloves on and then pack it or something. Exactly. I'll have to videotape myself doing it so you trust that I did it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I don't know, does stuff, how long does it last on surfaces? couple days I, I, yeah i don't know i'd have to research but i, I mean i've received mail and we've wiped it Same. off or i yeah. felt safe doing it but we do have some things in store that are coming da- coming in the future so just you know follow us on instagram twitter continue to listen and share with your friends please because there are giveaways and cool things coming along with the episodes that we're putting out and if you can please on whatever format you're listening to, give us a rating and a review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, or if you just go out of your way, go on to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star re- review and rating, and give us a review that starts with the word boom. If you do that, we'll, we'll give you a shout-out, and we'll read your boom review right here on the podcast. Yeah! This, this takes you, this takes us, we're doing it together. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next week. And we love you. Never forget. Yay, never. God bless you, Dave. Are you alive? Yeah, I'm alive. Excuse me. Your whole camera shifted. Because I keep bumping it. <laughs> you sneezed it right off of your desk. Sorry. Are you alive? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a big sneeze. That was funny. Hey, it's Mia. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Campfire.